podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains. Welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate Podcast. That that intro ended very, very quickly there. It's not the normal intro we have. Um, there's a story behind it, and I'm sure I'll bring it out in some other podcasts, but we're not here to talk about my podcasting mishaps at the moment. We have the wonderful Tom Fenton from Get German Football News is on with us today, and uh, obviously you're on, Tom, today to talk to us about the signing of uh, Leon Bailey. So firstly, welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Like uh, I, I've done a couple of podcasts on Leon Bailey, basically just trying to show the statistics and trying to show what I've seen of him in my limited view that I've had. As I say, I, I have this theory whereby if I can look at statistics and look at five games, games a game he scored, a game he scored in, a game that he, that he uh, performed statistically brilliantly in, two games um, from, from a previous year and then another just game at random. I think I can get a fairly good idea of people, but obviously... I might just get lucky and pick all the good games that somebody played. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's great to have you on. It's great to have somebody who who has an interest and, in, I suppose, uh, lords it with regards to, to, to German football. But talk to us about Leon Bailey. We we had it absolutely bonkers. and what, what on the outset looked like a bonkers and crazy um, press conference for Leon Bailey last night. I, I, I don't know if you've seen it, Tom, did you? It was, uh, I haven't yet. No, I, th- I think I need to, but uh, yeah. yeah. It's, look, I suppose I, I, on the outset, I'll give you, give you an idea. It's like mm-hmm. this, like what we're doing right now, except yeah. probably lo- even lower production value, if you could imagine, <laughs> if you can okay. imagine. But I suppose I, I come down on the side um, uh, on the side that, you know, there's a lot of quarantine rules where he is. He's just come mm-hmm. back from playing a game in Las Vegas. Las Vegas yeah. is, is one of the highest areas of, of growth of the coronavirus in, um, in the U.S. at the moment. He's been 14 days in the U.S. Quarantine in Jamaica. There's going to be quarantine in the U.K. They just couldn't get him to the U.K. to do his press conference. And then again, as I've said myself, I'm from a real rural place in Ireland. If I was signed for thirty million, if I was the most expensive sign, expensive transfer of my nation's history, I think I'd probably have my press conference in my local parish hall with all my, you know, all my <laughs> the people from my village around me as well. And you know that could be inspiring for for some Jamaican people to actually yeah. see that press conference for Leon Bailey. Mm-hmm. He'll get his razzmatazz when he comes to when he comes to. Um, to Birmingham, he will have cameras in his face for the next five years if he stays at Aston Villa. So, yeah, you know, this is something nice. It's nice colloquial. It's nice village feel to it. I think, and you know, he he celebrated his way in his patch with his people, and you got to respect that and find that endearing. I think as well at the same time. Absolutely, and uh, Birmingham is a very razzmatazz city. I can tell you that firsthand. <laughs> so, uh, for a treat. <laughs> wow, yeah, he's got a yeah, there was a full <laughs> ring. Yeah, yeah, the bull ring. <laughs> Junction, uh, yeah, loads of uh, yeah, canals, more canals than Venice. What can I say? You know, exactly. What can you say? Yeah, you're really selling it. No, I know. I've, <laughs> as, as I say, being an Aston Villa fan, obviously, I've uh, I've been in Birmingham my fair share of times, and and I actually never get the the whole there's nothing in Birmingham thing. That a lot of other fans of other clubs tell me, I love going to Birmingham. It's yeah. A, yeah. It's a great spot, you know. You'll find, you'll find. Put it this way: you'll find something to do if you want to be in the place you're in, and that's the way I always see it as well. But less about this isn't the Lonely Planet guide to Birmingham. <laughs> it nearly, very nearly turned into it, yeah, or yeah. to Jamaica, for that point of view. 
talk to me about Leon Bailey. Bit of a mercurial player is what we're getting is the feeling that, that he's going to fit into this system. But talk to us about what his time in Germany has been like, I suppose, first time. Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the five games because um, I think if you watch those, even just a couple of games of his, you'll get a real feel for why people love Leon Bailey and why people are simultaneously so frustrated by Leon Bailey because on his day, he, he was one of the best players in the Bundesliga. He could like turn it on. He's got He's got pace to burn. Uh, eye for a goal. He, he's a good crosser of the ball. Lays, he, his passing is excellent. Link-up play is good. So it, it's all there. It, it's it's always been there since he moved from Belgium as, as a very young player. And um, I think he, he never really intended to stay in Germany for this long. I think that that big move to a to a United or to a you know Bayern Munich was always his intention eventually. Yeah. Um, and so I guess his has been a story in some ways of of, of frustration when things are just going right. He's, he's very much been a player who. Uh, we'll have we'll go through months of, of of superb form and then out of nowhere he'll just suddenly fall off and, and lose a bit of form and lose his place in the side because by Leverkusen have got a lot of attacking uh, or, or they did they still do to an extent without Kai Havertz and, and so on but um they've always had plenty of, of, of good players in wide areas and, and he's always had to compete for his place um so yeah I think he's one of those players that's always been on the verge of, of a big move in my opinion because the talent has been there from from a very early age and, and everyone's known that and again again everyone's known that in germany and it did always seem as if he'd, he'd get a, a big move abroad uh, i think he finally has i'm not entirely sure if many would have predicted uh, villa or, or everton would be the two teams that were vying for him a couple of years ago but i think it's it's a perfect move for, the, for this um time in his career because uh, again uh, i think last season towards the end he finally put together a string of performances that that you can kind of say okay this is the consistency we've always wanted over these these past couple of year, couple of years, and that's exactly that was going to be my first question. My next question to you is: uh, Last year, I think it's fair to say last year was either his coming of age year or mm. it was an outlier year for him. What do you think is is it a coming of age year because he played his most minutes, I suppose, last year? And does that have an effect? Is he a kind of a guy that needs to for all his sparkle and his speed and his flicks and tricks and everything like that is he a guy that needs to develop into a system or is he uh, you know or, or is he just a complete maverick that blows hot and cold when when if and when the game game depends on it i think for the first couple of years he was definitely the second he was more in that maverick category and that perhaps is why when there's been, there's been a succession of new managers coming in at Bayer mm. leverkusen and again having a very good like period initially and then it kind of tails off towards the end peter bosch is, is the best example of that. He nearly got them to the Champions League and it just didn't quite work out. Um, and I think he suffered because of that. And managers haven't really, because, he, because he's so inconsistent, managers haven't really known where to use him, how to deploy him. Some have tried to play with a back five and therefore you need wing backs rather than mm -hmm. out-and-out wingers or inverted wingers. So I think that's that's been a real issue of his is that managers haven't really known how to get the very best out of him consistently. And last season was probably, well, like you said, he, the most amount of minutes good stats in terms of goals and assists and, and you know, he's, he's man of the match awards and that kind of thing. So I think it really was a coming of age year and a year of consistency. And again, the first time really that we've seen him able to play on the left or the right without a manager really like tinkering to, a, to an insane degree or trying to move him from a position he's comfortable in to a wing back role or to a central role. And again, mm -hmm. I, hopefully with Villa that works out well because um, you know, naturally, there's there's going to be a couple of places in wide, wide positions available at Villa, and hopefully he, he can slot in 
maybe not to the same extent as the man who was previously on the left-hand side of Villa, but I think he could certainly do a job. And he just needs to nail down a position in the team. And I think he needs a manager who could really like make him feel important tactically rather than just a bit of a live wire who can do do what he pleases. He needs that kind of if you if you can turn him into a into a functional player and give him that tactical discipline. I think he's a, he's a really really good asset and he, he can fly in the Premier League in my opinion. Excellent, yeah, and very well done. Before we came on the podcast, we said we were going to give Leon Bailey his due and not let the obvious things that are going on around the club and around a certain player. Um, it's not I, I've I've put X's over Jack here behind me. It's not because I don't like him or don't like him. It's just it's to remind me not to continuously talk about him. And I, it's right in my eye line here, so I hope people don't take that as a slight of what's done for myself and Tom. Where we just talking about it before we came on, and uh, it's uh, it's just to remind me not to continually talk about about Jack Grealish because <laughs> look I, th- I think we, I, I think a lot of the Villa fan base are at risk of that of the Leon Bailey thing being um, after the Lord Mayor's party I think that's what the phrase is you know that it's like it's something that nobody actually fully appreciates really remembers really recognises as quite a very big high profile move for this club so yep. considering mm-hmm. where we were three years ago and I think it's fair it's only fair that we would give him his due on probably the happy you know what would have to be the happiest day of his life considering it i think if i'm not mistaken he's the most expensive jamaican player of all time so it's uh it's you know this is this is fantastic for him and it's also the club are probably jumping jumping through hoops with his signing obviously everything else is probably not to their taste but uh yeah the leon bailey piece piece is is something we're going to talk about look i presume we will probably touch on some comparisons with the the man who uh previously occupied the left uh, or uh, to this day still does occupy the left wing Mm. fat lady hasn't sung yet the fat lady hasn't sung yet but you mentioned somebody want managers Mm. and that's really fascinating because you you mentioned Peter Bosch, and obviously people know about his tactically and what he's de- he's a very demanding manager and he's he's very good tactically and 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 I think I want you to kind of start when you start and maybe discussion of maybe why he did and why he why he fell into and out of favor with Peter Bosch, but like because I, I want to talk about the complete the complete subset of managers that he's had because when he first came into Leverkusen he had a, he had a brilliant year as well that was his second best statistical year well. 1718 I think it was when he was when he was 19 years of age um he he scored I'm just I'm actually just going to look it up here he scored nine goals and had six assists so pretty similar uh, output to what he had yep. this year mm-hmm. what what was the difference between that year in 1718 and 20 and 21 but what was the difference between those years and the two years in between was it specifically managerial and what those managers wanted him to do I think that definitely factors into it. Um, but I think you also have to look at um, perhaps his head being turned slightly. Um, I think we've seen it with, perhaps with Jaden Sancho in the Bundesliga um, last season, whereby you know you have a real good breakout year in the Bundesliga. And all of a sudden, I think there was the expectation for Bailey that all these big clubs would come in. I mean, in 2018, 2019, if you would have said that Bailey would end up at Villa, given where Villa were a couple of years ago, and where Bailey was a couple of years ago, it would have been inconceivable because he was being linked with every major club in Europe at that point. Um, and so it, it's it's kind of aligned nicely for both parties, I think, in in, uh, in, in the here and now. But it, but again, it's it's I think it's one of those things where he he came to Germany and almost immediately he was he was on pace and he, he looked really good. He looked like a live wire. He was so young that you thought, okay, he's very raw in some regards, but you can you can build on that and work on that. And then I think he just he just stumbled a bit in terms of perhaps not really wanting to kind of buy into the buyer project anymore when you had managers who, like you say, with, with Peter Bosch and, and others who 
really needed tactically disciplined players, players who would fit into their system, who would get them to where they want to be in terms of a long-term vision. I think someone like Kai Havertz brought a lot more into that philosophy than maybe a player like Leon Bailey did. Um, and again, you know, that there was always competitiveness too. Uh, Moussa Diaby came in yes. a couple of years back and he's looked really good at times. Again, a bit like Bailey, he blows hot and cold, but on his day, he can be exceptional. So uh, I think that there's various reasons for that. And um, uh, you know, a few managers have, have played, have tried to rotate the squad a lot more as well. Um, but I do think a big part of it was just he, he, need, he needed to have a bit, a bit of a realization that you can't just have one good season in the Bundesliga and then get your move to Bayern Munich or to Manchester United or whatever. Yeah, you need to really put together a, a string of good seasons and you need to show that you're more than just raw talent and potential and that there's, there's something to work with there for a coach. And I think. This season, it, that finally clicked, and and, and he realised that because, uh, you know, he, he's got his head down. He's worked really hard, got plenty of minutes, and and has earned his move after all these years. And I think the fact that that a club didn't pay the money that Villa have now for so many years is perhaps perhaps indicative of, of that slight suspicion that he maybe isn't a team player or that he doesn't work in certain systems. Um, but last season, maybe I think proved to many that he can and, and that he can get his head down and. Um, and again, I think he's, it's it's just reward for a very good season um, that's been a long time coming, you know. Yeah, and that's that's kind of good. That's, that's kind of what, what I was kind of nearly hoping in a way that you would say because when you look at the, when you look at it from the outside in, you look at the statistics of it. You know, you always have that question. Maybe, and it's okay if the answer is maybe his head was turned. But you know what happened? Kind of kicked himself up the arse and he got himself back in gear again, and he worked hard, and he's now he's mm. gotten his move. Like I think that fans, it's it, 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 it's probably because it's raw with me at the moment, given that what the club is going through at the moment. That I don't think fans would really mind in ninety nine percent of situations. Probably not the one we're going through at the moment. But if a player does well for the club and and moves on at the end of the year, they move on with a, with, with a club's blessing, you know. And maybe that's something that that has happened here. And yes, look, you know, if he thinks he's good enough to play for Real Madrid in four or five years' time or three or four years' time, if he's if his dad or his stepdad or his agent thinks that as well, that's fine. That means we get a really good player for four years, you know, yeah. and and we get to you know hopefully build around build a squad around him for four years and. That's usually what what a manager's window is anyway, and you know after that it's usually rebuild time, you know. So it's uh, especially for a club like Aston Villa. So that's that's me trying to be as rational as I possibly can, uh, given the current state of Aston Villa um, Twitter and Aston Villa Football Club. I really want to get more into more emotional uh, speeches <laughs> about the whole situation, but I think that that's a fair enough assessment of potentially what's happened here. Now you mentioned that maybe he wasn't a team player, um. How, like, my biggest thing that I saw is that he has, he's like a guy who's only learned that you can run fast in two directions. As in, you can run fast back towards your goals, or you can run fast towards the opposition's goals. Yeah. Is that just me oversimplifying it? Or, like, as in, he's got latent pace, but is it that he just didn't want to be defensive? Or that he just was never shown as a kid how to play a defensive structure? I think when he first arrived, he just hadn't been shown. And then perhaps it was a case of after after that first season, he's thinking, well, I don't even need to learn that these things that these managers try and teach me because I'll be at the big clubs in, in a year or two's time. Um, naturally, that didn't happen. And maybe that's part of the reason why it didn't happen. Um, but he certainly had managers who have had that tactical now and would have wanted to, to incorporate that into his game. Again, like 
trying to get him to play at wing back. I mean, I think he'll be he, he would be an exceptional wing back for some teams if he had that tactical discipline because his pace is great and you know he can he can put in a shift when he when he, want, when he wants to. It's just more often than not he can just sort of drift out of games if it's not going his way and um, or again historically he could. And I think last season was was the first kind of indication that that he's growing out of that phase and is maturing as a player now. Um, uh, it's yeah, so it, it's an interesting one. I, I, I do think it's it's more a case of, of him just kind of, you know, I don't know, just just thinking he was already he'd already made it in in that sense um, because he, he certainly can, can play, play both ways. And for Aston Villa, he's going to have to. I mean, he's not going to have a choice. I, I don't think. I don't think they'll allow him to just be a passenger on the pitch. Um, but you know, for, for Bayer Leverkusen, it, it was always a, a trade-off because I think there's an acceptance with what they do, similar to Dortmund, whereby they bring in these young players for a couple of years, they mm. develop them and sell them on. And there is often that implication that, okay, they may not always give us the, the best work rate and they and they probably will force their way out of the club eventually, but we'll get a couple of good years out of them. And I think other players bought into that more than perhaps uh, Leon Bailey did. Like a couple of years, years before Bailey got there, you had Arturo Vidal, Yes. Who you know took Bayer Leverkusen um, to a new to a new level while he was there? Emre Chan as well came to Liverpool afterwards, and, and so they had a model of doing this for many years. And I think maybe Bailey just kind of I don't know if he believed his own hype or, or what, but for whatever reason, there were a couple of more barren years, and it's taken until now for him to to maybe drop those those uh, aspects of his game and, and really become more of a rounded footballer. Um, but you know, uh, it, it's hard to say really because you never know what's going on in a player's head and what his agent has said or whatever. But um, yeah, I think something did click last season in terms of upping the work rate and realizing what he could he could grow into as a player. We've had a press conference, as I mentioned before, and we also have had a a reaction from Dean Smith. I'll be a brief reaction from Dean Smith. And what was really interesting to me was that Dean Smith referred to him as a striker. Hmm. You've referred to him as a winger, a left winger, right winger, or a left wing back, right wing back. Is just like is is probably the best thing to do with him? Stick him up top and let him be a maverick up there and not not have to depend on him to 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 defend. Do you think he do you think he has a full rounded skill set to be able to be I'm not saying like a centre forward, but if you're familiar with the way Aston Villa played last year, like like maybe an Ollie Watkins, somebody who was able to mm. play the channels and uh come up with ten goals a season, twenty fifteen goals a season. Do you think he's got that in his locker if needed? I think if needed, I, for me, it wouldn't be the optimum position you play him in because mm. I, I think he's too good of a crosser of a ball and, and he okay. cuts inside beautifully as well. Like, again, if you play him, if you play him on the opposite side, if you play him on like on the right, for instance, he'll cut inside and use the left foot. And I think that that's a really good asset or it could be for Villa. Um, I don't know if he has maybe the physical presence to be, I, I know you, you don't mean like an out and out striker, but yes. even to play centrally, I think maybe he needs a bit more of that. Um, and again, he's played there so scarcely for Bayer that it would take him a while to to learn that, I think, because he predominantly just plays on the wing. Either wing, really, he's comfortable on both. But um, centrally, he's never really been an option. I mean, you've got to think of uh, during the course of his time there, there's always either been Kai Havertz or recently Florian, Florian Wirtz, who yeah. is a natural like number 10, plays player. central. Yeah, phenomenal footballer. What a player. Um, and again, Havertz also played as a false, false nine at times. So there's never really been a chance for him to play that that central role, and Patrick Sheik as well as has, has been at the club too. Um, so it, it might just be a case of there's never really been a chance for him to play that. Uh, I think he could grow into it because he, his goal output 
when he gets regular minutes, is pretty good. He's got a good mm. strike of the ball, particularly from long range. Um, does he have the movement to kind of merit that? Again, I think it would need to be taught. But it's it's an exciting option to have. I mean, if you had a, a situation like uh, I remember when uh, Wesley got injured uh, the season mm, before last, yes. and, and you had that period without, yeah, exactly. And I think in that kind of scenario, he could do a, do a job absolutely, you know. Um, but I, I think I think really he's, he's being brought in as a as a winger predominantly. If I was to guess, I mean, um, you know, I, I'm not sure why why uh, you know he said that at the press conference but uh, but i guess it's to kind of give give the fans a, a bit a bit more of an idea of of how he could be used and that he isn't just one dimensional and, and whatever but um yeah i mean it's it's an interesting remark Tom, I know what you want to say. You want to say it's to give the fans that bit of hope that Grealish was staying because he called him a strike yeah, yeah, not yeah. a left winger, <laughs> so that the whole rumor yeah. mill doesn't go into absolute meltdown. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That that's look. I, I as as I said, from what I've seen, maybe they can turn him into maybe like that second striker role. Maybe they can give him just that free roll up where Watkins does all the work. He does all the you know the fancy stuff and and is that maverick that unpredictable maverick? Dean Smith loves to play with a maverick in his team. Bertrand yeah. Traore on the other side is just like literally the night when the ball comes to Bertrand Traore, that's when he decides what he's what he's going to do with it. He has no idea what he's going to do with the ball from any second to the next, yeah. and it's beautiful to watch at times. It's frustrating at others. Um, so it's it's just it was just interesting. I think that one of the two of them will move into a more uh, potentially will will rotate between a more central role as a striker, provided we don't go out and spend money on a striker before the start of the season, which is only ten days away, which makes me believe mm. we won't. Um, yeah. Leon Bailey, going back to Leon Bailey as well there. Who would you equate him to in the, in, in, in the Premier League? Because I found this one difficult. And yeah. the reason I found it difficult was I kept on falling on he's a poor man's Raheem Sterling. That That's what I was going to say first. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure I'd say poor man's. But um, yeah, maybe not quite of the same level. Not yet anyway. But in terms of what he possesses, very, very similar. Um, uh, similar stature as well. Uh, and, and again, maybe like Sterling could also play centrally because of the assets he has. And I, I would argue he's a better finisher than Sterling in terms of just like um, he, he's wasteful at times in, in a similar sense. But he's got like a clinical edge and he, he can be very, very effective in terms of goal scoring when, it, when he's really on it. Whereas I think Sterling, you know, he'll score one for every three or four that he misses. So, you know, I, 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 I would say Bailey has more potential in terms of, of goal scoring. And, well, it's, I can't really say that because Sterling's had some phenomenal stats over the years, but it just in terms of, I think he could become a real like consistent goal scorer. Good, good. yeah. It's um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, both from Jamaican Jamaican yeah. born as well, you know. So yeah. uh, I actually found myself going like scratching my head, and that's why I found it difficult because I was going, "Am I just stereotyping both of these two people?" Because I know both of them are of Jamaican heritage, and hmm. they're both the same build. They're both really fast. They've got great feet. They've both bro- broke onto the scene at a young age. I, I was think I was wondering, was my mind playing tricks on me, just equating everything outside of football? To what they potentially were like inside of football, so I'm glad to think that you have uh, have have the same kind of um, feeling as that as well. And, and look, if we get a second Raheem Sterling out of uh, uh, you know in in the league, um, well then you know Aston Villa would be all the better for us. Yeah, um, uh, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, 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 go on, go on, absolutely. No. no, just to quickly jump on that, and I think much like Sterling, um, he he will frustrate you at times, and again he'll deliver brilliance at times. He'll be one of those, particularly initially. 
I don't think he's going to come in and, and, and be completely settled and, and be like in sync with everybody straight away. But much like Sterling, he, he's going to be hot and cold. There's going to be a lot of good moments. And maybe, maybe look much like when Sterling was at Liverpool, he will play centrally at times and, and do a job as Sterling did back then. So th- there's a lot of similarities because they can play anywhere along that front four. Uh, wide centrally, you know, they've got the ability to do either. So I think it's a pretty apt um, comparison if you have to make one, you know. Good, good. Excellent. Um, I, I hate comparing him to a Man City player because I know there's people going to be roaring at their <laughs> at their at their screens or at their phones going, uh, oh, great, Villa are just getting the new Raheem Sterling in five years' time. Sterling will be ready to hang up his boots and City are just going <laughs> to buy him from us again for 100 million. Yeah, we're in that mode and I'm very much in that mindset as well. So, uh yeah, I, I, I but I just genuinely couldn't think of anybody else. I think in the league that he was he was that similar to. But talk, talking about, and I am going to mention kind of a small, small bit of an elephant in the room. And the reason I am going to do it is because I think it is quite poignant you being a German football aficionado, um, to to speak about maybe what Man City are are attempting to do now with buying Jack Grealish, potentially buying uh, Harry Kane, um. It smacks of Bayern Munich, but hoovering up all the decent talent in the league. And this should be terrifying for every English football fan. It should be terrifying, even Man City fans, because, like, what's the difference between doing it now or doing it when the European Super League was uh, was created for those three or four days and is now no longer there? You know, this is, this is a worrying trend. Uh, the financial fair play hang-ups that are still there that are unanswered that are potentially were answered incorrectly or not not truthfully um in certain aspects like the the bundesliga and this is going back on an answer you gave the bundesliga kind of just gets on with it and develops players and goes yeah look i'll send them on to Bayern Munich or I'll send them on to this club or I'll send them on to that club and teams like leverkusen just get on with it and they, they develop more talent do you think that potentially and I hate even saying this, that potentially the English football fan needs to get their head around that, that the league is potentially going that way. I don't want to think it. I want, I want to fight that until the day I die. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just it's it's just when you said that about, about Leverkusen and even Dortmund, the likes of Dortmund, hmm. you know, with everything that's going on at the moment, maybe that's yeah. the way the league is going. I think sadly that's that's the case, and um, it's, say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know, but it's it's one of the reasons why I think my, me and, and many other German football fans were were first swayed to that league because it, it, you know uh, of course there are issues, and the issues that you have in, in the Bundesliga is that Bayern often will get these players for like virtually nothing a lot but a lot of the times these players would just run out their contracts and Bayern picks them up on a free or for like twenty million or something so. That that's a whole separate issue, but I think in terms of of yeah, seeing the the money and how it's polluted the Premier League, I, I think it, it, German Germany does stand in stark contrast, and and it's just the way things are. If you're Dortmund, if you're Bayer, if you're Schalke, well, even more so with Schalke, but you're never going to have the funds to compete with Bayern Munich. Even Bayern Munich haven't got the funds to compete with Man City, and mm-hmm. so I think for City, the real issue you've got, you know, from an outsider looking in at the Premier League, is that all of Man City's competitors, bar maybe Manchester United having to be shrewd financially they can't just go out and and, and gazump teams and uh, and hoover up all the talent liverpool are having to get having to sell players before they can buy arsenal have spent a bit of money but they're still limited in, in so many ways chelsea of course trying to get lukaku but they're gonna have to use players in the make weight i don't think there's any club bar city that could just go out and spend that kind of money uh without even really thinking about it and um i think it is it is a bad sign for the way the league's heading in 
And, uh, you know, uh, teams are going to have to get creative with how they compete with that. We, we saw what Liverpool did. You know, they, they tried a, a very clever strategy in terms of the way they recruited. And, um, uh, you know, it, it can work for so long. But up against this just machine that is City, a financial machine that can just endlessly pump money in, there's a finite amount of time that lasts for as well. And I think we'll see that this season. I, I can't really see many teams getting close to City if they get these two deals over the line, which it looks like they will, at least one of them. Um, so I think it is a worrying trend. And um, But but the one thing Villa can do is they can maybe do what, what Southampton did many years ago, where you uh, essentially you become like like the, the test club for the big club. So if you look at what Southampton did, where they, they bring in a Mane or a Van Dijk or a player like that, like that who... The big six aren't really sure about yet, so they'll let a Southampton or a Villa get that, that player first, use that as a, like as a testing ground to see can they cope in the Premier League, and then they go and buy them. But and while that that's a bleak analysis, very yeah, it is. But there can be many good years of like of getting Villa close to where they want to be in terms of getting yeah. into Europe again, and uh, you know it, it it's not a, a nice place for, for for the rest of the Premier League to be in. But that there are ways around it that I think can can keep it competitive, or at least I hope they can, because, um, you know, it, 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 I think it is going to turn a lot more fans off if this just continues. And uh, my hope is that once City get that champ- that elusive Champions League, they kind of take a back step a bit. That's my hope. Maybe it's it's deluded, but, you know, I think it's all, it's all the rest of the fans have to kind of cling to is that it's not going to be forever. And, um, and that, yeah, that, that teams can just be a bit more creative with how they, they compete with Man City, you know. And my hope in the short term is that Marvellous and the Kemba two foots jack just just puts him out like for four weeks. <laughs> just 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 that nothing serious. Like I'm not wishing ill on anyone. Just just a niggle for to, to maybe makes means he doesn't pass his medical and then uh, everything is happening in the world again. Uh, that's what my short term goal is. Uh, I can't condone that. I'm no, I'm only, I, I do jest. I'm only joking yeah. on that one. I am only joking. Um, but uh, look. It's a, it, that, that, that's a kind of a bleak way to end the podcast. So just bring it back to small <laughs> bit of positivity, small bit of positivity with regards to, um, I, I, I suppose, to Leon Bailey. Uh, what would be like, like he, he, I think the Premier League is going to be perfectly suited to him because he's pace power, he's tricks, he's flicks, and he, he takes a shot from, from, you know, from any angle at any time. Um, yep. what, uh, like, obviously, we take we, we take away the pace aspect from his game. What do you think Aston Villa fans are going to be at the end of the season saying, "Wow, that's what I associate with Leon Bailey"? I think just just magic moments. Ooh. Okay, yeah. can you still see me? Sorry, I, I can. You said done something uh, strange. Sorry about that. Uh, you are good. Yeah, I'm back. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think I think magic moments, uh, individual moments of brilliance. Um, again, there will be frustrations, and I think the first couple of months will be a betting in period. But he's such a, a live wire, and he's such a maverick, and I think he, he's just going to, at least in the short term, there's going to be glimpses of of the player everyone thinks he can be, and hopefully will progress into. Um, I, yeah, I, I can just see electrifying electrifying moments that that gets hopefully when fans are back, gets the fans off of their seats, and it really just shows that there is life after Grealish because. It's going to feel bleak for a while at Villa, and naturally so. He's such a talismanic leader, and uh, it's so hard to replace that. But this is the kind of player you need, someone who makes you, who makes football watchable and, and, and is the reason why all of us watch it, because he's, he's going to do things that that, that, that amaze. And, and again, my, my hope is that it works out for him. This is what he's been working for all these years in terms of this is the move he's always wanted after Bayer. And so this is my, my hope is that now he really kicks on and now he really shows the player that he 
that, that again has been threatening to become all of these years. So I think plenty of excitement. I'm hoping plenty of goals too. Um, and yeah, just a player who who can go on and, and do really, really good things and hopefully take Villa to new heights because I think, you know, it'd be great for, for the Premier League just to have Villa back as a, as a major player again. So absolutely, that's my hope. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's put me in better form. That's put me in better form to hear <laughs> that. Because I, I, I think that too, I, I just, you know, this is into into a new era uh, within yep. Aston Villa Football Club and now we need to find our new heroes and Leon Bailey I hope can be that new hero um, or one of those new heroes as we progress into the new season um, Tom thank you so much for popping on you know uh, you've been so accommodating and uh, and thanks so much for popping uh, for for all your insight and uh you know, if uh, if we sign anybody from the Bundesliga again, you'll be definitely the first person I I chat to on it because uh, it's great. It's great to have somebody that uh, you know that watches it week in week out and and uh, day in day out. Even I suppose realistically, if we were to be honest about it, and and to get your opinions on it. And I, for one, am look very much so looking forward to Leon Bailey and having that little bit of uh, that little bit of a sparkle within the team as well because uh, uh, you know every team needs that especially if you are going to climb the leagues. So thank you very, very much for your time. Do you want to plug anything you have coming out at the moment or where can the guys find you? I'm sure there's, you know, people are, are going to be, are, there are people out there that are enthralled with German uh, football news and so on like that. Is there anywhere? You um, I, I just find me on Twitter. I, I, I can see the uh, the link at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can find me on there and um, hopefully lots to come um, and get German football news this season. Uh, as we get close to the season, we'll do more podcasts and that kind of thing. So, Yep, if you're interested in German football, then uh, check out our podcast. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely, no problem. Anytime. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Um, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this podcast. Hopefully it's uh, something that takes your mind off the ongoings that are going on at the moment. Uh, hopefully it's uh, where we've probably spoken about there about that person who plays on the left wing at the moment. Hopefully it never transpires and something uh, something happens. He has a change of heart and we end up having both Liam Bailey and Jack Grealish in the team at the same time. But it's all left to be written. Anything that breaks in the meantime, we will be back with another podcast. Thanks very much to everybody who listens. I really appreciate everything you do for the pod. We're, you know, we're far exceeding anything myself and Paddy ever thought that we would do with this podcast. Um, and it's all because of you guys. Really, really appreciate it. Once again, thanks to Tom. You can catch him at, at Tom Fenton 11 And you can catch, uh, get German football news at, at GGFN underscore. That's it from me. You can catch me on at, at Love McGrath Pod. And all that's left to say until the next time, which could very well be later on this evening, is up the villa. Podcast Network.